Hi, I'm Dr. Ann Frisco, president of Holy Family University, and you're listening to Asked and Answered, our shared humanity and collective responsibility to each other and our neighbors and community is at the core of who we are at Holy Family University. In Asked and Answered, I talk with influential leaders in Philadelphia and beyond, including faculty members and alumni who are making a major impact in the community. I'm excited to launch this podcast series with three special guests. Joining me in this episode is Reverend Dr. Lorena Marshall Blake, president of the Independence Blue Cross Foundation, a charitable private foundation founded in 2011. She is also the vice president of community affairs at Independence Blue Cross. Under her leadership, the IBC Foundation is increasing access to healthcare, preparing leaders in nursing, addressing critical public health issues, and creating sustainable solutions that improve the health and wellness of the community. Reverend Lorena, welcome to the show. Can you give us the Cliff Notes version of how you got to be where you are today? Dr. Prisco, thank you so much. And it's so funny when I think about it. 31 years. I can't believe it's been that long. It seems like it was just yesterday. But when I kind of thought about the Cliff Notes, how I got to where I got to, there are several quick things that I'm going to mention. And I think you'll probably join me in some of these. And please call me Lorena. Okay. And if it's okay, I'll call you. You call me Anne. (laughs) Is that okay? All right. Great. Couple of things. When I thought about how I got to, I got to prayer with a lot of prayer. I guess I had a life statement or scripture that's guided me. And it was uh, that Jeremiah 29, 11, for the Lord declares, I have a plan for your life, not to harm you, but to give you a hope and a future. And so that was one thing. Prayer got me here. Okay. Secondly, position, being in the right position at the right time and not only being in the right position, but being ready. And even when you're not ready, taking the risk take in the risk and then say, better to step forward than to step backwards. So prayer, position, and then a big one for me is I got to where I got to is relationships. My joke is I'm R&B and that's not rhythm and blues. I'm a relationship builder. So when I meet people, I often think to myself, I said, how can we find a way to get together again? And often when I meet people, I send them, I jot them a note. It was great meeting you. And I almost put them in a little file like three months later and took it back out and say, just checking in, how are things going? So I'm all about relationships because relationships are key to every single thing we do. I'm sure they are at the university. Relationships are important. Dr. Maya Angelou says, people won't remember what you said. They won't remember what you did, but they will always remember how you made them feel. So it's always important to me that people realize that they're important. And then another thing is I have a saying, do things right so you can do the right thing. And that's what I've had to try to do with my career, again, is to do the right thing. And then finally, if I had to say one other thing is excellence. Excellence is everything because mediocrity is nothing. I always try to bring my best, my authentic self to whatever it is that I've done. And throughout my career, those are some of the tenets that have worked that took me all the way from being an administrative assistant to being a president of a $150 million foundation. But again, you know me, I'm going to do it because it's reverently to God be the glory. Because, you know, I sit here because for such a time as this, because I've been given the privilege and the honor of leading this foundation. So those are just some of the things that sort of guided me. 
Yeah, and, and ultimately, I think what drives you also is wanting to make a difference. There you go. I'm a mad woman, which means I'm a woman making it. I'm mad all the time, Doc. All the time, man. It's like, you know, what do we do today to advance the world, right? Yes. And so let's pick up on the role you play okay. at Vine Memorial Baptist Church. I'm very fond of saying since I joined Holy Family last summer, onward and upward in faith and family in part because it emphasizes the importance of faith and reminds me of my calling and mission in higher education. So what role does, and you've sort of alluded to that already, what role does your faith play in your sense of self and how you approach your work? I've been at the church that I'm at since I was seven years old. So I won't say how old I am now, but needless to say, I've been there my whole life. But again, when I think about my faith, it's absolutely at the core of who I am and who I represent. You meet me, you meet Jesus. Okay, there rarely is there a conversation that my faith is not interwoven in who I am. As a matter of fact, one of my favorite acronyms for faith is fully and intensely trusting him. I don't trust me, I trust him. So I always try to make sure, I was joke thinking about this, and how David would always most of the time would inquire of the Lord. So I'm often saying, okay, even when I became the president of the foundation, I was sitting there and I said, okay, Lord, what's this all about? And having my own little conversation, at which point when they asked me and I said, are you sure you have the right person? And they said, we're sure we have the right person. And they said, why would you say that? I said, well, let me say this. And this goes back to my faith that I want to be the voice for the people who are not around the table. I want to be certain that everybody is represented and that nobody, regardless of economic status or any of that. And I think, again, that goes back to the way Jesus was. He was no respecter of persons. Okay. So in other words, everybody's important. Everybody's a VIP. The other thing when I think about faith is that, and this was this morning, I'm always on a 6 a.m. prayer call. I do a 6 a.m. prayer call every day. And this is my week to lead. My word this week is bold. So I think it's being bold about my faith, not forcing it on people, but letting people know that my faith, it's who I am. I don't separate the two, even in corporate America. My folks are real clear. Lorena, you can come here to get your programs, your funding, but you can also come here and get a prayer or you can get an opportunity to just kind of sit and talk. And like I said, no judgment, just listen. It's a major part of who I am every day, not just today, but every day. I never, what is that? I never leave home without it, along with my credit cards, but I never leave home without it. When we think about how faith informs the work and your work to choose to be at a place like the foundation. Let's talk a little bit about how that informs the way you think about your role in mentoring other women. I have a wonderful saying, it's not mine. Um, Madeline Albright says it. said, it's a special place in hell for women who won't help other women. Okay, that's my first thing. The second quote is one by Michelle Obama, which is one of my favorites, where she says that you should have three good friends. One, you aspire to be like. Two, someone who can get in your world and say, hey, Lorena, that was not a good idea. That was inappropriate. 
But three, you should always be pulling someone behind you. And that's where the mentoring comes in. We should always be pulling someone behind us, hey, to even replace us. I mean, I will not be at Independence forever. So I have to make sure that there's someone that can step in and it's seamless. So it's not the programs and all the things that we've done don't fall by the wayside. But mentoring to me uh, makes me think of, again, just a sister away. And I mentor guys and girls men and women. So again, it's how do I help you to become who you want to be? Or better yet, when I look at mentoring, it's the mentee and the mentor. And sometimes those roles switch. I just recently did an event for the Girl Scouts. And one of my mentees was my co-chair. Well, you know what I'm doing. I'm setting her up to be chair. Two things we aren't, irreplaceable and indispensable. Don't kid yourself. And any of us who've ever changed jobs learned that, right? There you go. And someone else will do it. I've always felt mentorship rolls back to what you talked about with relationships. Because many times I think young people think they're going to have to form a formal relationship with someone and call them their mentor. Mm -hmm. And I explain to people, it could be a peer, it could be a colleague. These mentorships actually come out of relationships. They don't have to be formal defined mentor and don't be afraid to ask i mean people are always flattered when you ask them can i be and if they don't well if not now can you do it later i call the what is it we're a ceo chief executive officer of your life so then you start to put these people in your cabinet that help guide you that help direct you and i like look every board i get on my first question is where are the young people because i want their view and really setting them up again to move up into leadership. And I think that's about leadership and that you can't hold it so close to the vest that you don't allow others to come in and especially young people. I don't always agree with them, but that's okay. Yeah, it's that willingness to expose them and include them. Exactly. Let's talk about one of yours and I, my big passions, which is nursing, right? Um, At Holy Family University, we're very committed to nursing. We have a history of, um, of course, the sisters established the college to train folks to be nurses and teachers. And of course, we have a much more expanded portfolio now. But talk to a little bit about the commitment that the IBC Foundation has to the nursing world and the amount of money. I mean, 22 nursing schools, $15 million in nursing scholarships. And we know how important it is. What was the recent New York Times article said something like, we need to educate and replace hundreds of thousands of nurses. We do, you know, because they're on the front line. I always say nursing is our sweet spot because we've been in nursing since actually 2004, okay, when the conversation first started with the deans of the nursing school, but under the foundation, we've had it since 2011, but we were in it even before the foundation was formed. But again, we feel, and and again, and I believe you join me in this again, investing in the education and professional development of nurses is vitally important. My joke always is there a nurse in the house, not a doctor, I want a nurse, okay? And nurses, I think you said, play a vital role in our communities and our healthcare system. Again, in addition to supporting scholarship, And then, you know, we have our foundations, our nursing internship program has an 18 year history of helping to prepare nurses to deliver culturally. And see, this is key, culturally competent care to diverse patients in our community, because everybody doesn't look the same. And people often are more comfortable 
when they see someone that looks just like they do. So we're all about filling that pipeline. When I think of nursing, look, nurses rock. Okay, that's not my quote, but I'm going to say it anyway. Because the nursing degree, I think, prepares nurses for so many other roles. Nursing is important. I think if more boardrooms had nurses in there and nurse leaders in there, and heck, even the country had more nurses involved, that a lot of this decision making would be different. When I think of our, our Nurses Can campaign, which was launched to inspire and empower current and future nurses to pursue roles beyond the bedside. And that's it. You know, what can we do beyond the bedside? And that's what I mean when I talk about boardroom. That's when I talk about independence has over 300 nurses. They're not at the bedside. So again, there's so many other places that they can work and be. And that whole skill set. I mean, I love the, that nurturing but also the business. When we say nurses can, guess what? Nurses can. Right, because it's a very challenging curriculum. And in addition to that, we want them to have the compassion and the care and the empathy for the people they serve. Exactly. I I want to put a plug in. One of the other things we really need are nursing educators. So we need nurses. Without question. Back into the classroom to teach this next generation of nurses. We just don't have enough enough nursing educators. Well, well. see, and that's it. And finding a way. Education is expensive. So finding programs that assist folks. And if I have to step off and go back to school, that I still can maintain, what is it, my family and all those other things. But you are so right. You are so right. Yeah, and this is where much of the scholarship support, I know that certainly you provide Holy Family, really makes a difference. Right. One of the most popular programs right now is the second degree nursing program. So it's students that already have a bachelor's degree, but have decided they want to come back and, and pursue a career in nursing. Exactly. And so they're anywhere from 15 to 18 to 22 months. So how does someone who's already been out in the world come back and pursue a degree like that? Well, scholarships make all the difference. Great. Following up on what's happening in nursing, besides the general need for the next generation to be prepared to be nurses, we know a lot of the issues have been around frontline health workers and the mental health status of those workers. So a little bit, because I don't think we talk enough about the fact that yeah, nurses, they face mental health issues too for the trauma that they exactly. And, you know, and they face it every day. The 2020 study by Mental Health America indicated that a significant amount of healthcare workers are experiencing stress, anxiety, exhaustion, and burnout. And nearly half of the nurses who responded felt that they do not have adequate emotional support. But let me tell you what we were able to do. And I got so excited when we did it with regard to the mental wellness initiative. We recognized, first off, the need for additional mental health resources. So the foundation awarded funding to establish the NeuroFlow pilot program with the Trinity Health Mid-Atlantic Health System. This pilot program improves the mental health and well-being of frontline nurses by providing access to on-demand tools as well as care coordination. Let me tell you how it worked. The technology supplied by the Philadelphia-based software was like an app company, Neuroflow. It allowed more than 1,500 healthcare workers and nurses to log daily insights. This is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm going through. It even had mood scores and journal entries. And the program also provided access, here's key, to a clinical care team who could monitor population health trends and urgent alerts 
that are automatically triggered to prevent major mental health events. And again, we've already got re some results that have come back, so we're really excited. Um, and within the first 90 days of its existence, more than 300 nurses have used the platform more than 8,000 times. With nurses leaving the bedside due to burnout, this program is critically important. This was a tool for them to use, and they actually used it. And I think it only affirmed and confirmed what nurses are going through. It's real. They're on the front line every day, and there is an impact to that. So they want to be their best. And this is a way to get it out and know that someone else is walking alongside them. Exactly. And it's replicable. It sounds like the exactly. Well, that's what we're looking. At. Thank you, Ann. That's just what I wanted someone to say. That is replicable. Yes. Yeah, mm -hmm. because we could all come up with good ideas, but if we can't replicate them or they're so costly that we can't run them, it doesn't help us. So I think generally we have found that mental health and telehealth are kind of a good partner team right now. I agree. Not to, to telehealth because we needed to, but I think we're finding, I know our own students see many times more willing to speak to a counselor through a telehealth visit than to show up in, a, in their office. I just saw a, a study just yesterday that they said during the pandemic, telehealth was used 2000 times percent over than it was prior to the pandemic. So I think, and that's a tool that I believe that we will still continue to use because it gives people access who have transportation challenges that can't get there. They can pick up the phone and just have that conversation with their doc. It's very interesting, right? Here at Holy Family, we do the master's in counseling psych and the doctorate in counseling psych. And during the beginning of the semester, when I was still fairly new, I had a young man come and visit with me who is a psych major. He's a senior African-American from the community. And he said to me, Dr. Prisco, I think we should have a half day where we invite young Black men to Holy Family to talk to them about mental health issues because our community doesn't yes. talk about it. And I started laughing and I said, I agree and I would love to do this. But I also have to tell you, I'm from an Italian-American background and Italians don't believe in talking to therapists either. They think, you know, you don't do that. It's just not, why would exactly. you? Right? You're supposed to buck up and be tough and not even address. You're in this world a little bit more now. Yeah. Too. Mental health concerns are a national issue affecting our local communities. And again, whether it's African-American, Italian-American, Latinx, folks just didn't talk about it. Okay. It was always, well, you'll get better. It'll be okay. Let me say this. It's okay not to be okay. And I've learned that, okay, having had counseling myself. And so again, it's personal, but we have to change the narrative so people realize that, hey, you can go for help. And now more than ever, we recognize, I think we do that. Mental health is a critical component of individual and community well-being. The foundations focus on addressing the mental health needs of underserved youth. We are actually doing a project at Gerard College where we're working along with the families. We're working with Children's Hospital because out of their student base, 80% have either had trauma or been in trauma. 
So this was a way to start to address it. And again, we, we are working along even with the police athletic league and with their young people in an effort to, you know, to programmatically do things. Hey, you're okay. We're going to work together with you. And again, it's more a, a disease. Okay. As opposed to look it being, see the stigma that overlaps on this is what keeps people, I believe from going for help, but we have to let people know it's okay. It really is right. okay. Rather than there's something to wrong with you or something defective about you as an individual, right? To need exactly. To it's um, tough. It really is. It is tough. We've all worked on this. So let's talk about this idea of the way you're trying to utilize all the different resources in a community. You know, many times as higher ed institutions, we talk about ourselves. Holy Family Service considers itself an anchor institution sure. in Northeast Philly, if not Philly yeah. border in Lower Bucks County. And it sounds like you're thinking of it the same way, right? How yeah. do we marshal our anchor institutions, our hospitals, libraries, universities, to, to work together to create yeah. these networks of support? And I think, and you said it, we're in this together. It's almost all boats rise together. In other words, as you succeed, I succeed. But a key part of it is prevention, is education, getting the word out. Education and testing, I believe, are essential to ending the devastation of this pandemic, particularly, again, among minorities and communities of color who have been disproportionately affected by COVID-19, but also even within the university and college community, because I just yesterday just took some things up for one of the schools. They have this pantry. I mean, we think everybody goes to college has everything they need. No, they yeah. don't. There's some basic things. I mean, like toothpaste, deodorant, and that can be stressful if you don't know where it's coming from. So again, standing in the gap. And again, one of the other things that the foundation did was that we joined the Pennsylvania Department of Health, Latino Connection, and Highmark Blue Shield to launch the state's first mobile response unit called CAPE, which is Community Action Testing and Education. I love these acronyms. But again, to provide COVID-19 testing and education throughout Pennsylvania. The word that I said, it is community, community, community. Whether it's the college community, it's your immediate community, it's your work community, it's all about community. And how do we get those communities to work together? Exactly, to work together, okay? To interact together. And that's what I, what's so for me is exciting about my job in that I get business. Look, it's Reverend Blake. I was former president of a 500 member sorority. I'm president of the Independence Blue Cross Foundation, VP of Community Affairs. Again, I'm a link. So all these things link together. And, you know, I'm a college grad, all those things. But I'm a kid that grew up in the community and I'm still committed to the community, whether it's the local and all those other communities too. Is it convenient? No, it's not, but that's not what it's about. It goes back yeah. to where you started. It's not about me, but it really is. How do I ensure that everybody is included, that inclusiveness? That's so important. One of the things that I know we've started a new major at Holy Family is called health and wellness promotion. Because what we were finding is that many times there needs to be someone who provides the link between the patient and the doctor or the medical system that these medical doctors are becoming so specific in their care yeah, specialties right and you need someone in the middle to kind of translate 
for the individuals. And I'm wondering what you thought of, because there's this whole notion now of the patient advocate or sure. insurance companies gonna be hiring sort of, you know, the patient advocate person who like checks in and says, did you check your blood pressure today? Did you take sure. your medicine? Right, well, you know, and we support over 60 health clinics and the person that's usually at the forefront is there a nurse in the house, okay? But in mm -hmm. 2011, the Independence Blue Cross Foundation was founded with one mission, and that mission was to lead sustainable solutions to improve the health and well-being of the communities in which we live, work, and serve. And again, we continue to promote health and wellness by working together to reduce health disparities, to improve access to care. And access is a key word. We would assume if I've got a transportation, I can't get there. If I've got three kids, I can't take them in tow and get to the place. Okay. And again, how do we serve our neighbors in need? I said to someone, don't tell me you care, show me you care. How do we, meaning the foundation, help alleviate these health disparities, okay? And don't go in dictating, whether it's the college community, the regular community. In other words, we need to listen so we can hear what the real concerns are of the community. But as always, nurses play an integral role in the delivery of not just care, but culturally competent healthcare and the advancement of culturally competent healthcare workforce. It goes back to something I said earlier. I need to be able to see me and know that you understand where I'm coming from. How do we level the playing field? That's really what it is. How do we ensure that whether it's Ann or it's Lorena or it's BB or, you know, or John, whoever that is, how do we ensure, how do we level that playing field so they get access and they get quality care? Because I say, just because you're poor doesn't mean that you don't deserve quality health care. I would add education, right? So absolutely, the, the same thing with it. How do we provide absolutely? But, and everyone gets a good education. Not and the key, the key it. to my success was educate. My parents always told me the key to you is education, because once you get it, nobody can take it away from you. It's what you do with it. But it, it is in 2022. It's no different than when it was when I was in junior high and high school, and then in college. Education is key. That's why an educated community, what thrives, and we want the community to thrive and to do well. Amen. And, and there you go. Um, Amen. Okay. Amen. I mean, that's where most of us as first gen kids have learned, right? Education is the key to social mobility. Exactly. Right. And that education could be two years. It could take you 10 years. It's right. limit well, to what education. And I'm back in school, finishing up my master's of division. I'm 17 credits away. I'm almost All done. Right. Congratulations. But I will be a lifelong learner. There's always something to learn. Always. Yeah. So I want to learn something fun about you. Oh, okay, Lord. So, you know, I'm, I'm new to Philly. I am a New Yorker. I'm really loving living here. My husband and I are living in Center City. So we're really having fun. Oh, great. Because Philly's yeah. a walking town. So that's great. Yeah. So we're having a lot of fun. But I need to kind of, I'm going to ask you some Philly questions, which I think you'll probably understand. Oh, okay? okay. So I'm going to ask you about choices. So here we go. Cheesecakes or soft pretzels? Okay. Cheesesteaks. 
Cheese steaks. I said that's steaks. I know what you meant. Cheese steaks or soft pretzels. That's too funny. And you have Pat's or Gino's, but there is a place in Roxborough called Delessandro's, which is the best. The best. Oh, yeah. I'll have to write that one down. So Delessandro's one of our choices. So I know these are bridges. Betsy Ross or Ben Franklin? Ben Franklin. Ben Franklin's yeah. easier. Yes. The man or the Academy of Music? The man, because I'm on the man board and they're right there in the community in West Philly, right around Parkside Avenue. And they're always doing programs to enhance the community. So, and I love the Academy of Music, but the man is boots on the ground right there. Fabulous. How about Rocky or Sixth Sense? Now, really, Rocky. You know, no, I'm a Rocky person. What's the Sixth Sense? Uh, what is it? Dead people? I don't do that one well. <laughs> And a little creepy, too, I think. Yes. <laughs> uh, flyers or Sixers? Well, of course, the Sixers are doing great. Hardeman is doing wonderful. The Sixers, for sure. You're feeling good about James Harden and coming oh, on? Oh, yeah. You know what? I think he's doing a good job. I think he'll work well with the Beeb. And there's some younger players. I think they're really coalescing and coming together as a team. I'm excited. I really am about what I see. Who knows? We might win an NBA championship yet, okay? <laughs> I'm feeling it now that I'm in Philly, although, yeah. you know, diehard Knicks fan, but- Well, that's okay. all right. We love you anyway, okay? <laughs> yeah, yes. that's for sure. I really look forward to working with you in the future as a new, the new president here at Holy Family. Wonderful, you know, and we're just so glad you're here. Thank you. To learn more about Reverend Dr. Lorena Marshall Blake and the Independence Blue Cross Foundation, please visit ibxfoundation.org. And to learn more about Holy Family Universities, please visit us at holyfamily.edu. For now, I'm Dr. Ann Frisco, and thank you for listening, and thank you, Reverend Marina. Thank you for the opportunity. This has been great.